You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. So we've been looking at this uh, series called The Need for the Supernatural. And a couple of comments that I've used to always set this up, and it, and it is in relationship to this today. American Christianity has significantly desupernaturalized the Bible and the faith. And with that, behind that is this. Usually, spiritual leaders have done this because they haven't, by their own definition, experienced the supernatural. And they'll say, well, if it's not going to happen in my life, or I tried believing, I was told to believe, I did, and it never happened. So subsequently, they sometimes say, I feel guilty preaching about the supernatural and I've never experienced it. Or because they feel like maybe some aspect of the faith let them down, so now, therefore, they're not going to preach on it as well. So they hold back and they steer away from it. Well, I have used this as a a story, an illustration. I've never been to China, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Okay, so we have to understand that I can't necessarily say that Everything that God does fits inside my box of experiences. I've noticed this. God operates outside my experiences. There's a lot of things that God hasn't done for me that he's done for other people. But that doesn't mean that he didn't do it or that he still doesn't do it. So God's bigger than my experiences. So that's one of the things that keeps us pursuing and growing is knowing that there's more of God to know and experience and develop in our life, regardless of whether I've experienced all of it or not. But with this de-supernaturalization going on, here's what I've noticed. This has led to many unintended doctrinal changes. Whatever tactic you use to de-supernaturalize the Bible, is the same tactics that you use to start dismissing other doctrines of the Bible, like views on marriage, views on sexuality, and views on on management of of what God has given you, purpose in life, and all these things. Suddenly you're like, hey, the, the same things that I use to dismiss the supernatural, I can use that really on anything in the Bible that makes me uncomfortable. I'll just dismiss it. And here's how I do it. It's the same tactic. And that's dangerous. So now we have this. Christianity just seems to be, well, an adoption of some particular moral values, but nobody really expects anything to happen. It's just something, it's a view of life that you adopt, but there's really nothing life-changing about it. And I'm just here to say we have totally stripped, if we're not careful, Christianity of its intended purpose in our life. The scripture we say, well, so what does this have to do with the scripture that we read? Well, it was in Deuteronomy. And what I want you to, uh, to understand before I get to that text is this. In ancient Israel, they were a part of a world in which all the gods were impersonal. And you see this played out in the scriptures. One example is when Elijah on Mount Carmel went against the uh, prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal were trying to get their god, Baal, to answer. And Elijah got into mocking them. He said, well, maybe your God's taking a nap. Maybe he's falling asleep. Because he knew their gods never spoke. They never interacted. It was always about humanity trying to get the attention of Baal or some other god. But they never, the gods never gave their attention or initiated conversation with people. But our God initiates conversation. 
That's what's radically different. And so God separated himself from the other gods by speaking in an audible voice. I could take you all the way back to Genesis. So hey, so now I can say I preach from Genesis to Revelation in one sermon. Right, here we go. <laughs> what does it say? In the, it says in the Garden of Eden that God would come down in the cool of the day and converse with Adam and Eve. God has always been a God who says, I want to talk to my followers. I want to have conversation. So I'm telling you right now, some of you are going, oh no, man, is he getting up? Is he going into this woo-woo territory? Yeah, I am. Okay? But hang on. I want you to hear some things. I think this will really be of benefit to you. So, so we read that God was constantly speaking with mankind. The scripture that we read today. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, he says, You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the fire, therefore watch yourselves carefully. And the subsequent verses that associated with this are warning about, be careful about adopting an image or an idol to substitute for your personal interaction with God. God says, listen, you don't need an idol, you don't need an object, I'm a real human being, you get me. You have me. You don't need an object to take to, to have an interaction with me because I'm not an object. I am a person. I am a being. Then we go down to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 33 through 36. And, and God actually says here what I've just been describing. Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and live? Well, the obvious answer is no. He's saying, listen, I'm special here. I talk to my followers. He says, has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? The obvious answer is no. See, when Israel was captive in Egypt, they noticed this, that all the gods that Egypt supposedly worshipped, they noticed those gods never talked. And those people were constantly guessing on what their God wanted. And so they might pray, they might offer sacrifice, and then they may, didn't get the outcome. So they were stuck with going to another God or trying to give a different sacrifice. It was one of those, I'm supposed to serve a God who can't tell me the agenda. How many can see that would be really frustrating? And God's saying, see, you were in that, you saw that, but notice I converse with you. In verse 35, you were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his words from out of the fire. So God is saying, while those gods weren't talking, I was. And that's the thing that sets me apart, is I communicate with my followers. I talk to them. Now, some of you are going, well, yeah, they didn't have the Bible back then, so God had to talk. But now we got the Bible, so we don't have to lean on that as much. Have I got a lot of scripture for you today? <laughs> because here's what I've noticed. We see, we don't see, let me say this, we don't see things we're not looking for. We oftentimes go to the Bible, and it's not wrong, I'm just saying, we go to the Bible with an agenda. 
I need a healing. So we're looking for a scriptures on healing. I need provision. I'm looking for something. And so we read stories and we miss some of the details because the details don't speak to the need that I have. And so we're, we just kind of brush over and we get to those scriptures that speak directly to my need. And we don't pay attention to some of the details that are in the story. And so that is why you need to come to the Bridge Community Church. Because I'm a pastor who slows it down and says, hey, have you noticed that one ver that part of the verse you love to quote? Did you, other, did you notice the other half of that? It's kind of discomforting some of the things it has to say. And people go, oh, I never saw that before. I said, Why? Because we don't see what we're not looking for. How many have ever gone into a room and then somebody pointed out, it's a room you've been in many times and they go, hey, have you, what do you ever think about this on the wall or over there? And you go like, there's none of that in there. And then you go in there and you go, oh, well, it is in there. And they go, well, who, how long has that been? Oh, it's been in there a couple years. And you're like, no, I can't be. I'm not that old. <laughs> it's been in there for a couple years. I, I can't believe I walked. I got to tell you, I was, can I I'll give a commercial? I was in Panera Friday. Now, you know, I hang out Panera. That's where I have a lot of my appointments because I get, I bought this subscription. I get free coffee. <laughs> so yeah, you just sit there and drink coffee all day, right? And I'm getting my coffee and this guy goes, excuse me. And I, so I step back, and, I'll, and he's, he's, he's doing something below the counter, and he's not an employee. And I'm like, what is this guy doing, making himself at home? And there's a microwave there. And he puts his coffee in there to heat up his, his coffee in the microwave. And I went, I didn't know that was there. He goes, yeah, you know, some, for some of us, the coffee's not hot enough, so they put in this microwave uh, you know, so you can heat up your coffee. I said, wow, how long has that been there? He said, I don't know. I've been coming here about 15 years. <laughs> I've been going for nine years, and I never saw that microwave. And some of you, I can tell by the look on your face, you're going, there's a, there's a microwave at Panera so that you can heat up your coffee because it's not hot enough for you. You're going, I did not know. You don't see what you're not looking for. Am I right? And so we're slowing some of these scriptures down to pay a little more attention. It's amazing how many times it says God spoke the voice of God, and we just kind of dismiss it because, number one, it sometimes makes us uncomfortable. Number two, we're looking for something else. So what you notice also in Numbers chapter 12, God made a, a, a comment about even how he dealt with Moses. He said, listen to my words. He said, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Well, we would expect that. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. When I, with him, I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now, we would be really uncomfortable with a, with a leader like Moses, who said... I got up this morning and as I was conversing with God, and now I'm here to relay what he had. We, most people would be going, yeah, I wish he would choose different words. I wish he wouldn't say it that way. He acts like he's just having this everyday conversation with God. He is. <laughs> but see, some people are like, nah, not going there, don't appreciate it, not going to buy into that. And so people go, I just don't like all this woo-woo stuff that's associated with this part of Christianity. Well, let me just tell you something. The Bible says God is spirit. You're a physical human being. It also says he has a holy spirit. 
So we got two arenas of spirit that we're supposed to relate to as physical human beings. And my physicalness doesn't help me to relate to a God who is spirit and to a Holy Spirit that's a spirit. So one of us is going to have to get some, some discomfort in our lives. Well, it's not going to be God. <laughs> so as a physical human being, I, we get this awkwardness. How do I, as a physical being, interact and experience something that's not physical, it's spiritual, it's spirit. It's just awkward because we go, no, I want to put my hands on it, I want to touch it. And God says, yeah, nobody, God says nobody can see me because if they do, they don't live. So welcome to awkwardness. <laughs> so the question is, what does this look like? So here's what I'm answering today. Does God still speak today? If so, how does he do it? I read about it in the Old Testament. God spoke to the prophets. God spoke to Moses. God, he would talk to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. We read, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. Okay, okay but now we're in the New Testament. What, th does God still do that? So let's look at the Bible. So I'm, I'm, I don't mind telling I'm going to give you so much scripture today. And I will try to do it justice by not going too fast. Okay, But I'm going to do the best I can so that you catch this. So number one, everybody read this out loud. The voice of God the voice of God became a person in Jesus Christ. So let's just, these are scriptures you probably are familiar with, but again, we're slowing them down to help us to, or to look at what's in the context. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Let's pause there. So Jesus is saying this. I've had a conversation with the Father, and what you're hearing today is the product of that conversation. Do you understand why some people said, I don't think I can follow this Jesus? This is a little too far out there. So, what, so I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Boy, will that put a leader in the margins with people who say that. That what I'm saying, I got directly from God. I heard God, and what you're hearing me teach comes from God. See, we, we all are aware of people who have abused that concept. Okay, it can be abused. But it doesn't mean it needs to be totally dismissed. Jesus, so you can understand why people were going, I don't know if I can follow this guy. This just seems a little too margin. I think he's outside the margins. Notice what he says in John 14. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So Jesus says, hey, what you hear coming out of me is the Father's own words. Well, yeah, we have the hindsight. Well, he's Jesus. He's the Messiah. True. Those folks were still trying to figure out if he was. And that was a radical statement that he was saying, that God is talking to me and I'm saying what he's saying to me. In John chapter 5, Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Let's just pause right here. It's one thing for the guy to say he hears God, now he's telling me he's seeing him. Wow. 
You see, there are some discomforting things in the Bible if we'll slow it down. But like I said, we don't sometimes pay attention to these phrases because we're so busy looking for some other information about a particular need in our life. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I hear them and I see them. And so when I hear and I see him, I just do what, 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 that's what you see me doing. Number two, read it out loud. The voice of God was audible. So some people go, well, you know, what about this audible voice of God? I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Like you actually hear God's voice. Well, let's look at Jesus's ministry. Again, you'll see some things here that's pretty significant. Luke chapter three. Verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. Everybody say praying. Pray. Have I ever told you one of the best things I can ever do is to teach you how to pray? Yeah, because prayer is the doorway for new activity, the new acti- or, or new dimensions of God's activity in your life. So many people are trying to say, well, I've never seen God do that. Well, you might try praying. It's amazing. We want God to do things and we're not talking to him. We don't, we go, I don't understand why he's not talking. Are you talking? See, this is, this is how it works. You talk to God, then he talks back. So it says, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Notice everybody heard that. They heard what the voice said. Now that's one way to validate that somebody's the Messiah. But it's also sort of like, what's that? I mean, for some people, it's like, I'm in. And some people, it's like, I don't like this. This is scary. I'm out. I don't want this. I don't like what I, I I don't know how this is happening, but I'm, everybody knows that not everybody loved Jesus, right? You're like, how can you not love Jesus when he has all this stuff going for him? Because fear, anxiety, disbelief, they heard the voice. Look at this in Luke chapter 9, verse 28. This is uh, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Verse 28, after, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. Have, you, have I ever told you one of the best things I can do is to teach you to pray? <laughs> Have I ever told you that? That prayer is the gateway to new dimensions of God's activity? I just thought I'd bring that up. Okay. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. (laughs) Look at this. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Yeah, it's one of those, I ain't saying nothing, are you saying it? I ain't saying nothing. Because I know when we say, people have a wacko list, and we're going to be on the wacko list. I ain't saying nothing. Oh, but Jesus dies and resurrects from the dead, and everybody's excited because a dead guy came back, and they're like, hey, did I ever tell you about the Mount of Transfiguration? (laughs) We all knew that this was possible. No, man, they shut down. They didn't say anything. You see, there's fear, there's anxiety about, hey, 
I think God spoke to me. There's fear and anxiety in even saying those kinds of words. You go to John chapter 12, verses 27 through 33. Now my soul is, this is Jesus. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Now, listen, look at you. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Others heard it, but there was debate on what it was. They heard it. They said, well, it sounds like thunder to me. Somebody said, no, 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 that was an angel. And Jesus said, you just heard the voice of God. See, some of you probably say, I never saw that in the Bible. We don't see what we're not looking for. We gravitate to things that we've already decided that I need an answer. So we look for those scriptures, and we sometimes fail to slow it down and go, wow, God's voice was pretty active in Jesus' ministry. I mean, and listen, other people heard it. This wasn't Jesus telling them. He did tell them. But they were hearing God's voice as well. So the voice of God was audible during, uh, to others during Jesus' ministry. So there's thought that said, okay, well, you know, that was because, you know, he's Messiah and he's to be verified by God. And this is one of the ways God, but hey, you know, he's risen from the dead. You know, we're now in a new era. We don't need those kinds of things. God doesn't do those things because now we have the Bible. And so, you know, this really ended when Jesus died and rose again from the dead. You know, that, it's, that's just what, that's how some people explain it. And you would be incorrect because we're going to read point number three together. Read it out loud. The voice of God. It was active in the New Testament church. Voice of God kept showing up. This is in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, he, right now he's Saul, he's blind, he's in, he's, he's in, a, in a place um, asking God for the miraculous. And God shows up to Ananias. And I want you to look at this conversation. This is, like I said, we kind of have a tendency to read the story and just keep going. This is, I want you to gravitate what this story is like. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! And I love the way Ananias, yes, Lord. It's like, he acts like this happens all the time. I don't know about you. But if I heard a voice that said, great, what, 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 what? I don't know, I would say, yes, Lord. Come on, you'd be with me. Who's there? Who's what? Identify yourself. Some of those of you carry, identify yourself. Come on. Yes, Lord. He's like, I, I know the voice. Uh, this has happened before. Yes, Lord. The Lord told in the kitchen. The Lord told him, "Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying." Uh, have I ever told you the best thing I could ever teach you is to? Yeah, you're, you're catching on. 
Best thing I can ever do is teach you to pray because it brings new dimensions of God's activity to your life. Just thought I'd point that out there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias. So I love Ananias is having a conversation with God like this is frequent. Lord, I have heard many rumors about this man and the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, I like the Lord. He's like, we've had this conversation before, Ananias. Go! (laughs) This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now see, I'm going to slow it. You realize God told Ananias. I want you to go down Highway 17 South, and when you get to Opal, I want you to take a right. And then when you're down there, I want you to stop at the third house on the left because their name is such and such. And I want you to go in and introduce yourself. If somebody stood up and gave that testimony, people would be rolling their eyes going, a wacko thinks God said, go to Opal. (laughs) Come on, we would. And the third house on the left, and you know the name, are you kidding me? God's spirit doesn't do stuff like that. This is after Jesus rose from the dead and he's already ascended to the Father and it's been a couple decades. And he's still talking. Hey, look at this. He's now the Apostle Paul. He describes what's happened. And in Acts 22, this is his, these are his words, his testimony. He says, when I returned to Jerusalem, or, uh, excuse me, when he's, uh, in Acts 22, the, the context here is he's praying and God gives Paul a warning. There's people trying to kill him. And he says this, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying, have I ever told you <laughs> one of the best things that I can do for you is to teach you how to, just thought I'd point that out. That's, that's, that's called fresh manna. I'm just... <laughs> I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I, re- I love these guys. They just converse like God's talking to them all the time. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So God not only said, listen, Paul, I'm trying to protect you. You got to go and you got to go now. And secondly is this, your evangelistic work among the Jews is not going well. So let's try the Gentiles. Okay? Redirection. What? It was a voice, from, a voice from God that told him. Then you come to number four. Read this out loud. The voice of God. It's not always understood by everybody. One person say, man, did you hear what the Lord had to say? And somebody can go, I have no clue what you're talking about. And it's true. They didn't hear it. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with them. But you notice in John chapter 12, verses 27 through 33, the scripture that I read earlier, you go down to the bottom of the verses there, the crowd that was there and heard it and said it had thundered, others said an angel had spoken to them. They were disagreeing about what it is actually that they heard. They heard something, they just could not decipher it, and there was differing opinions. Then you come to Acts chapter 9, 
This is the Apostle Paul, his description, or this is the story that's written by Luke in Luke's words. And it says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He's describing Paul, Saul at the time who became Paul. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I love this. Saul knows immediately, who are you, Lord? Notice he knows sort of like who it is, but he's, and that's why it says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Saul needed it clarified. Lord, I need more definition because I thought I was representing you and doing what I'm doing. He says, no, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now catch. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Notice they said they heard the sound. Paul unpacks this later in his own words in chapter 22. About noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now catch this, he replied, my companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. So in that context, he was the only one who understood what was being said. But everybody else was not privy to what the conversation was going on there. And I want you to understand, too, here, Saul is not a follower of Jesus yet. It's amazing what the voice of God can do to people who aren't followers and they know it's God talking to them. We'll be praying for people that are family and friends who aren't followers of Christ that could use a dedication to Christ here in a minute. But I'll give you one quick story. See, I believe that because our family was affected by this. My dad, one of his brothers, had uh, getting out of the military, stayed in California and got involved in a motorcycle gang. And one night he was drunk and was in a serious motorcycle accident and he survived and he did recover but he was left about 90% blind because of the injuries that he sustained. His wife was a follower of Christ, his two kids were followers of Christ. He absolutely wanted nothing to do with it and he would not go. Even though he was now totally dependent upon them for care around the house and such, they, he, he wanted nothing to do with it. And so uh, my aunt, she had house rules that some of his habits had to happen outside the house. They weren't allowed to happen in the house. So he, on a regular basis, he was a pretty heavy chain smoker, would go out in the backyard and do his smoking thing, and then he was allowed back in the house. So one night, on a Sunday, late Sunday afternoon, almost Sunday evening, he's out in the back, and he's getting ready to light up, and a voice said to him, Tom, that's enough, put it down. He could make out on a sunny day, on a sunny day, he could make out a shadow of a person. So he went over to the fence, thought the neighbor was pulling a stunt on him. And it was a nice sunny day, so he's looking for the shadow of, like, who's pulling the stunt here? And look, and he calls his name, calls, calls the neighbor's name, and there's no response. So he's like, oh, well. So he goes back, and he goes, you know, gets away from the fence and starts to light up again. And a voice said the same thing, Tom, that's enough. Put it down. He knew that was God. He goes in the house. To my aunt, and he says, hey, you going to church tonight? She goes, you know I'm going to church, Tom. I always go to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know I'm going. He said, do you mind going a few minutes late so I can get ready and go with you? Well, duh, yeah, she was okay with that. <laughs> so went to church. 
They start the first song. My uncle can't wait. He gets into the aisle and comes to the altar and just sobs. Wants to give his heart to Christ. It's first song. It's like he doesn't even have the decency to let the preacher do his thing. You know, set the tone, set the atmosphere. And immediately there were some people in the congregation who sensed what was going on and came and they led my uncle to Christ. A, a voice, listen to me, a voice spoke to him. You, you, you could do all kinds of gymnastics with the scripture with me today. And I, you have one problem. It changed a relative in my family. And no matter how much gymnastics you want to do with it, you can't take away from the fact that my uncle accepted Christ because a voice spoke to him. It was nobody's witness. The preacher didn't even get credit for that. Not even the song leader got credit for that. I mean, at least let the song get to the third song. How many people in our lives could use a voice if just that? That's enough. Stop. Stop running. That's what changed Saul. It wasn't some dynamic disciple that went to him. It wasn't some special presentation of the gospel. It was a voice that spoke to him on the road to Damascus. Listen to me. There's a lot of people who could use a supernatural intervention like that. So that they understand, you're not, you're not trying to get the attention of a God. You have a God who's trying to get your attention. Number five, read it out loud. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now the voice of God. The Holy Spirit continues to speak. Now, again, this is where some people get really nervous and go, oh man, I can't believe you're going there. Well, how about if I just use the words of Jesus? Is that safe? I mean, okay. So your problem is not with Pastor Greg. Your problem is, Jesus, why did you have to say that? Could have said it in such a more safe way, a more palatable way. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 17. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. What's the problem? You can't hear a spirit that you don't know. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So as a physical being, it tells me that there is a spirit from God that wants to be not just with me, wants to be in me. Wow. See, as a physical human being, that's uncomfortable. It just sounds, oh, come on, man. How, how do I explain that to a guy on the street? How do I explain that to my neighbor, my friend? I mean, it makes me sound like I belong on a wacko list. God is spirit. We're physical human beings trying to have an experience with a spirit being, and we're physical. It's going to get awkward. That doesn't mean I, it doesn't give me the right to be crazy, okay, and go and, and be goofy, okay? Now notice this, John 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Wow, so there is a spirit that wants to talk to me. That's awkward. Unless you're a follower of Jesus. But as a, if you're not a follower, you go, oh, man. But, so it tells me I can have, there's a conversation that a spirit called the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to talk to me about. 
By the way, these are all Jesus' words. Okay. Then you come to John 14, 28, or 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So this Holy Spirit also wants to work in my mind saying, you forgot something, so let me remind you. Wow. So the Holy Spirit wants to work in my neurological system and say, you were, you were taught this, you learned this, you just forgot it. And right now you need to have that remembered, like right now. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you, friend. The last passage of scripture is to also fulfill a promise. I said I would preach through Revelation. So the last scriptures are Revelation. So then I am known as a pastor who now keeps his promises. There's the seven churches of Revelation. And, he con and the Apostle John concludes every message very uniquely with a phrase. And most of us read it and go, okay, just maybe that's just kind of a cliche ending that he said to every church. But when you understand the teachings that the apostles had and understood about the Holy Spirit, then you understand why he made sure that every church received this same ending. And it's seven times in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. Everybody read that with me. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the churches. Hear what? Hear what the Spirit says. Oh, yeah. Well, see, if you understand the teachings that they got from Christ, that totally makes sense. Because he's saying there's things here the Spirit wants to tell you. See, part of this is understanding as physical human beings that God is a spirit and he speaks to my spirit. So in some ways, I'm learning disciplines like prayer to learn how to do this. And it's not only this. It means I need to initiate prayer. It also means I need to be quiet and allow God to do part of the conversation as well. So we're going to wrap up the service a little bit different. We, did, we sort of did this a couple weeks ago. But we're going to do this again. I'm going to ask everybody to stand, if you would, this morning as we wrap up the service. And just give me about five or six more minutes, okay? I want you to, th first of all, we're gonna, as I said, the best thing I can ever do is to teach you how to pray. So we're going to do that. Number one, I'm going to say, for about 30 to 45 seconds, can we just say this? God, I want to praise you that you want to you talk to me. And just like Ananias... You know my name, my address, where I live. You know everything that's going on in my life. I don't want to thank you for that. And then that response is this. After about 30 to 45 seconds, I'll tell you, I'll say, I want you to do right now, I'll say, I want you to say, God, what do you want from me? And God, what do you want me to do? And then I want you to pause and let him talk to you. I've had some amazing stories of people here, and I have to be very careful not to reveal anything that they don't want made public. But I've, I've shared that we, we did this a few weeks ago, and I had people over the last few weeks go, Pastor, that's probably one of the most profound moments that you've ever done since I've been here at the church. I said, wow, what happened? They said, I was, I was faced with a significant decision, and I very clearly heard God say, 
this is what you need to do. And I went and did it and it worked out. Somebody else told me they were faced with a significant business decision. And in that middle of that, they heard God say, this is what you need to do. And they went and did that with their business and it has resolved and begun to get new momentum. I mean, I, could, I, I have to be careful because I don't want to say too much detail. It could identify the person, but people go, I didn't expect that. I go, isn't it amazing? If we'll just be quiet and ask God a sincere question, he just might talk. Nobody else around me may hear it, but I'll hear it. So can we do that for 30 to 45 seconds? Can you praise him that he's a God who knows your name? And then in just a second, I'll say, ask him what he wants from you. Come on, let's do that right now. 30, 45 seconds, come on. I'm gonna shut off my mic. Praise him for being a God who knows who you are.